This is the Life Truth Network. Truth Exposed, Episode 37. Exposed, a feature of Quest for Truth, where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Now located at life-truth.com. Here are your hosts, Keith Heltsley and Nathan Caldwell. Welcome everyone, this is your host Keith, and it's time for Truth Exposed, an episode where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Ah, I'm out of breath for this <laughs> I guess I'm just so excited to dive into this. Hey, uh, here we go with our usual uh, cast of characters besides myself. You'll hear our co-host Nathan Caldwell, uh, our uh, beloved deceased Bible teacher, Jay Vernon McGee, adding some remarks. And uh, we dive into the beginning of what happens uh, with the incident with Lazarus. And uh, there's some uh, a Bible challenge, so stay tuned for that. But here we go, there's some, some really important things happening right off the bat. I think it's first uh, handful of verses, and the first handful of verses in this chapter. So hey, here we go, right after a word from Christian Podcast Community. ChristianPodcastCommunity.org Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of Scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P, Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. Welcome to Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dom went from a life of organized crime to federal prison. There, God saved him and set him free. Soon after his release, he attended seminary and received his master's degree and is now the senior pastor of Desert Sky Baptist Church, where he serves with a passion for biblical theology right here in Casa Grande. Now let's join our host, Pastor Dominic Grimaldi. Pastor Dominic Romaldi here with Street Talk Theology, where we take theology and we bring it to the streets. How's everybody doing this morning? Nice morning here in Arizona. Well, keep us in prayer. I'll keep you guys in prayer. Uh, this is Pastor Dominic Romaldi, Street Talk Theology. We take theology and we bring it to the streets. God bless you. Thank you for joining us for Street Talk Theology with Pastor Dominic Romaldi. You can visit Pastor Dom at Desert Sky Baptist Church at 891 West Corson Road, Casa Grande. And for more information, visit us online at www.desertskybaptist.org. 
main topic. Well, anyway, let's look at John chapter 11. We're going to only go to verses 1 through 16. Uh, this The entire chapter is a self-contained story. I know the temptation is just run at it and just gobble up the whole thing. Cause it is fascinating reading, and I would encourage folks to do that. But for the sake of a deep dive, uh, you can't go deep if you're skimming stones across the entire surface just to hit the entire thing. That's my you know, opinion on that. Uh, but anyway, here we are. Um, uh, John chapter... 11, uh, verse 1 through 16. I'll be reading this out of the uh, NASB. Uh, and I, you know, I'm pretty sure this is the older version from what, 1975 version. Um, I, that's what I had available. <laughs> At the moment, I do have it. Actually, the, they came out with a version last year. I actually have that one too, but I didn't grab it. Um, but anyway, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister, Martha. John chapter 11. You know, if you were not driving, it wouldn't hurt for you to do the same. John chapter 11, starting at verse 1. Now a certain man was sick named Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister, Martha. You notice that it's the town of Mary, and when you get into the home, which I think we'll be visiting, it was the home of Martha. She had charge of the kitchen and all of that, but the town belonged to Mary. Those are different gifts. Some women are given a marvelous gift in the home. When you talk about a woman's liberation movement, I don't know of anyone that's the big boss any more than a wife and her mother in a home. She has full charge of the kitchen and of the rest of the house. And she hustles you out of the kitchen, makes you get out of the ice box, and tells you to get outside. She's going to vacuum the rug and get out of bed that she wants to get busy. May I say to you that some women, that's their calling, Christian women. And there are others that have an outside ministry. They teach Bible classes, child evangelism, work in the church. And because your neighbor doesn't work in the church, friend, doesn't mean that she's not serving the Lord. And because these women working outside don't work in their home more doesn't mean they're not serving the Lord by any means. And so it's the town of Mary, but it was the home, actually, of Martha. Let me pause on that. Identities. Lazarus was being identified as a sick man. Uh, John never mentions Lazarus in all of his writings, so well, let's continue on, because there's more to be known about Lazarus. Uh, he lived in Bethany, which was a town about two miles, I think, from Jerusalem, according to some commentaries I've read. Uh, Lazarus is connected with Mary and Martha. They were brothers and sister, brother and sisters. Uh, but so far, John hasn't mentioned any of these three by name in his writings. I had to check my memory banks. 
he hasn't mentioned them, but they are mentioned elsewhere. And clearly he mentions them as though his readers would know who he's talking about. And moving on to verse two, uh, it was the Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. It was that Mary which anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. In other words, John is identifying this home for us by telling us this. We'll visit that home ourselves later, and it's a wonderful home to visit. Okay, so they're enforcing the idea that Lazarus is Mary's brother. And it's re reinforcing the identity of Mary. She is the one who came to Jesus and washed his feet with her tears and dried it with her hair. Now, again, I don't believe uh, that John records that event. I know Luke does. Uh, but Luke, I don't think, mentions her by name and that. Uh, I can't remember if both Mark and Matthew do, or maybe it's only Matthew. Yeah, uh, now that you can find in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 and 7. Matthew 26, colon 6-8 NASB. 6. Now when Jesus was in Bethany, at the home of Simon the leper. 7. A woman came to him with an alabaster vial of very costly perfume, and she poured it on his head as he reclined at the table. 8. But the disciples were indignant when they saw this, and said, Why this waste? Then in Luke's Gospel we find this. Luke 736-40 NASB. 36 Now one of the Pharisees was requesting him to dine with him, and he entered the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. 37 And there was a woman in the city who was a sinner, and when she learned that he was reclining at the table in the Pharisee's house, she brought an alabaster vial of perfume. 38 And standing behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears, and kept wiping them with the hair of her head, and kissing his feet and anointing them with the perfume. 39 Now when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet he would know who and what sort of person this woman is who is touching him, that she is a sinner. 40 And Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to say to you. And he replied, Say it, teacher. Uh. But other Gospels will shed more light on this. Uh, it, it seems that Mary isn't always named. It is pretty clear that whoever did the foot washing is connected to being a prostitute. So that says something about Mary's past. Uh, elsewhere, and again, John doesn't say, I'm pretty sure it's in Luke. I can't remember where the, the incidents of Martha and Mary is mentioned in other gospel. But even there, she's portrayed as being the more irresponsible, the more emotional. In that case, uh, Jesus came to the house. Mary was, not, yeah, Mary came and sat at Jesus' feet. Martha uh, was too busy in the kitchen uh, to come out. And she made Jesus, or she told Jesus, make her come help me. Luke 10. Verses 38, 40, and 41. NASB. 38 Now as they were traveling along, he entered a village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. 40 But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. 41 But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, 
You are worried and bothered about so many things. That's a snapshot of who these people were. Martha is the level-headed, you know, motherly house uh, management type. And Mary is probably very childlike and emotional and flighty in her uh, character. And we'll see that later, not today, but we'll see that later as we go through this chapter. Um, in verse 3, so the sisters, one more time. So the sisters sent word to him, saying, Lord, behold, he who you love is sick. Therefore his sisters sent unto him, saying, Lord, behold, he whom thou lovest is sick. This is an humble home. We know that. Poor folks home, please. And this is a story that's just filled with tenderness and sweetness and Will you notice that this man, Lazarus, is also identified? He's the one Jesus loved. Well, what about Paul? Well, Paul said he loved me. And what about John? John said he loved us, and Peter said that he loved us. And by the way, he loves you, and he loves me. So it can be said today, the one whom thou lovest is sick. And that's a child of God anywhere. Okay, here's more identity. Uh, regardless of John not mentioning the family in his writings, he clearly uh, portrays that they had a close, loving relationship with Jesus. Uh, they, they sent for him. They said, the one that you love is sick. Clearly, Jesus loved their brother as well as the sisters. Uh, they, they were well known and close. Uh, verse 4. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. When Jesus heard that, he said, This sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified thereby. Now, Jesus was not present at the time. He was away. And he tells his disciples, though, he says, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God. In other words, it's interesting to note that these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. This miracle is performed for the glory of God. Now, I just want to make a quick note here that typically don't like to give spoilers out, but it's important. Lazarus does eventually die here in this story. And some would challenge, perhaps, Jesus saying that it was not a sickness unto death. But here's what you need to realize. That at the end of this story, after the sickness and after Lazarus dies, he won't be dead anymore. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, then get ready for an adventure because uh, this is a good one. Jesus got the message. 
He knew how this would end. It would not end in death. Just because there's the end, somebody was standing the other day, I think it was in probably some kind of Bible study class, they were talking about uh, they had to make a decision. Do they watch the big football game or do they go to church? And they decided, well, I got to, I'll, I'll go to church. I'll do the right thing. I can always record the game and enjoy it later. I'll just avoid all the news media outlets and I'll just enjoy it. Well, he no sooner got to church and someone said, Hey, RT1. And now when he watched the game, he knew who, he knew how it was going to end. He knew who was going to win. But what he didn't know was all the plays in between. He didn't know about the fumbles, about the penalties, about the big plays, about the lost plays. But he knew even if it was a lost play or a fumble, it wasn't so bad because he knew the end. Um, but it wouldn't end in death. It would end with God's glory, and it would end in glory for Jesus, who is the Son of God as well. And this is a Bible challenge on John chapter 11, verse 4. Did Jesus make a mistake when he said Lazarus' sickness was not unto death? The problem, Jesus at first said, this sickness is not unto death. The full verse here in John 11.4 NASB reads, But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. However, later Jesus admitted that Lazarus is dead. We find this in John 11. 14 in ASB says it this way, For Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Was Jesus mistaken when he thought Lazarus would not die? Solution Jesus knew all along that Lazarus would die, and that he would raise him from the dead, so that God would receive the glory once again, John 11, verse 4, NASB. But when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. He used different figures of speech to teach the disciples that Lazarus' death was not final. He called it sleep. John 11:11, 11, 11, as it reads in the NASB, this he said, and after that he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. And said it was not unto death, John 11:4, once again, NASB, but when Jesus heard this, he said, This sickness is not to end in death, but for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified by it. Meaning that it would not eventuate in Lazarus, 
being dead, but in his being alive by Jesus' resurrection power, that is, although Lazarus' sickness would temporarily bring death, Jesus' power would restore him to life. And there's our challenge. Challenges are from the Big Book of Bible Difficulties by Norman Geisler and Thomas Howe. Baker Books, 1992. Uh, verse 5. No, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. Well, that's, that's pretty clear. He knew the family well to return the family love that they were sending out to him. Now will you notice verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and his sister and Lazarus. He loved the whole family. He loves your family, friend. And I don't care whether you're a Christian or not. He loves you. You can't keep him from loving you, but you sure can put up an umbrella to keep the love of God from entering your life. You can't keep the sun from shining, but you sure can put up an umbrella and get out of the sunshine. So what did Jesus do because he loved him so much? Let's look at Verse 6, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two days longer in the place that he was. So wherever he was, he's, he spent two days there. He, he kind of hung around. <laughs> he stayed put. He delayed. He waited on purpose, really, to let Lazarus health decline because he knew what the outcome would be. You know, whether Lazarus was healed from the sickness, that'd be great. If Lazarus was snatched from the jaws of death at the last moment, that'd be great. Uh, if, but even if he died, how many people did Jesus heal uh, and brought back to life? There, there's several. I, th I don't think John recounts any but this one. Um but here's the thing. Jesus only did what the Father told him to do. Uh, if the Father says, go and heal Lazarus, he's going to go heal Lazarus. If the Father said, eh, hold off a little bit, then he's holding off a little bit. He only does what the Father says. And when the Father says, eh, hold back, he holds back. Now will you notice, I'm reading now verse 6, when he had heard therefore that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Now, he did that deliberately and purposely. And sometimes he lets one of his own die. <laughs> when his own dies, really, he's just calling him home. That's all. He's just saying, come on home now. And Lazarus died. But this is all for a purpose. All this is written for you and me. We might believe. When he had heard, therefore, that he was sick, he abode two days still in the same place where he was. Sometimes God waits. God doesn't run on our schedule. He runs on his. And sometimes in order to follow his plan, he doesn't answer right when we think he should. It might even seem tragedy has struck, and, and perhaps it has. However, we should never forget God has a plan to work it all out for our good, according to Romans 8.28, if we are his children and love and serve him. So, he waited two days, but there was a reason that he waited. And we'll see what that reason was in just a moment. 
Um, verse 7, And after this he said to the disciples, Let us go to Judea again. Dun, dun, dun. Verse 7 says, Then after that he said to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. His disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee, And goest thou thither again? Then after that saith he to his disciples, Let us go into Judea again. Don't miss that again. He'd been there. He'd had to withdraw because of the opposition. Now he has returned. Now, if you remember from our previous session, Jesus had just left the temple. It was the time of Hanukkah, uh, the Festival of Lights. I forget what the other name for it is. Uh, but he left with the uh, Jewish leaders picking up rocks and what in the stone him. Uh, and so this is apparently on the heels of that. They had just left there. <laughs> they wanting to kill Jesus. So it's probably still around, say, a December, early December time frame here. Uh, but hey, it was time to move out. And Jesus says, hey, let's go back to Bethany. Uh, verse 8, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, the Jews were just now seeking to stone you. And are you going there again? And will you notice his disciples say unto him, Master, the Jews of late sought to stone thee. And goest thou thither again? And he's going again. Well, the disciples had to remind you about that close escape. Uh, why go back? They want to kill us there. Why don't you just heal Lazarus from a distance? You know, you've done that before. You know, and John does record that uh, while they were leaving Samaria, the woman at the well, as they got close to Capernaum or you know, the Sea of Galilee area. Uh, the, uh, a man came up and says, what, one of the uh, a secular governor, I forget, if John names him, but he had his son was sick unto death, and Jesus said, "Go back, and he'll be well." He held him from a distance. So the disciples, I'm sure, are saying, "Come on, Jesus, can you just heal him from a distance? It's only two miles." <laughs> uh, so yeah, and, and John, though, other than that instance, uh, Jesus has always healed somebody by laying hands on them or touching them in some way. Uh, verse nine. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble, because he sees the light of this world. Uh, let me go ahead and include verse 10. Uh, but if anyone walks in the night, he stumbles, because the light is not in him. Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbles not, because he sees the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbles, because there is no light in him. Okay, there's some interesting things there. I had to include both verses because they complement each other with light and dark. Uh, but when there's work to be done, go do it. You know, when the boss says, get up and go, you got to get up and go. Uh, in the daytime is a time for work. You got to remember back then, most work was outdoor work, field work, carpentry work. Uh, even merchants uh, did their work in the day. Uh, they didn't uh, actually, you know, working through the night was really not 
heard of until the turn of the last century when electricity was able to uh, empower uh, factories to stay open 24 hours a day. It's also because of that why churches started having a Sunday evening service because people who worked at night had to sleep in the day. And so they started doing that, and they could because electric lights. Uh, so these days, churches sometimes drop that Wednesday service. I I don't criticize. It's something that they started to help the worker. And if it's not helping workers, then I guess it's not necessary. But it's always sad to see a service be dropped like that. Anyway, uh, bunny trail. <laughs> Sorry. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there's no light in him. Now, what is he saying here? And very candidly, I personally think he's saying something here that's quite wonderful. And that is that as long as he's in the world, he'll be the light of the world. And he came as the light of the world. And if there's to be light in Bethany in the time of death, Jesus must be there. Therefore, he said, that's the reason we're going, because while I'm in the world, I'm the light of the world. And it's daytime now, and the night's coming when no man can work. Tremendous statement he's making here. Now, he goes on to say, but if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth because there's no light in him. He doesn't want these sisters to be hopeless and helpless. So he's going to them. Um. Where was I? Um, daytime is the time. Daytime is the time for work. Uh, the light of this world is the sun. It comes and goes in cycles. Hey, the sun's up. The sun's down. And roughly twelve hours is how much light you have. Twelve hours from six a.m. to p.m., give or take, depending on the season, of course. But twelve hours of day, you get you got as much day as you got night. You can get her done in the day. You can if you're tired, sleep all night. Um, but uh, if you work in the light, that means you're not going to stumble, you're not going to fumble, you're not going to trip. Um, I, I know that for a while they didn't have electric lights, for one thing. Uh, and candles and oil lamps are just inadequate. I, I was going to say, I know from working on automobiles, <laughs> you're underneath with grease up to your armpits and you're trying to fix a transmission or exhaust system and suddenly it's dark before you know it. it's like oh i got to get this done i got to drive to work in the morning and so what do you do well, you plow through it with a little trouble light but you, you, it doesn't work that well there's always heavy shadow and shade and you can't see what you're doing anyway uh it's it helps a little but it's not as good as if you had the uh, at least the natural light of the sun. Now, there was a comment in the last statement there in verse 10. Uh, I'm going to go back to verse 9. Because he sees the light of this world, the light of this world being the sun, it comes and goes. But verse 10, it says, the light is not in him. Now, that's true. Hey, I don't have light in me. I'm not E.T. with a little heart light. <laughs> oh, that would be pretty cool. Uh, but Jesus is the light. He is the light in and of himself. He, he could have did this any time. Uh, but because he associated with people, uh, he does things like people do. That's, that's my take on that. Uh, verse uh, 11. Uh, this he said, and after that he said to them, 
Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go so that I may awaken him out of sleep. These things said he, and after that he said unto them, Our friend Lazarus sleepeth, but I go that I may awake him out of sleep. Now, some of us have already caught what Jesus is saying. Uh, Some of us have heard the story so many times we already know what Jesus is saying. However, the disciples did not know what Jesus was saying. Okay, this is a euphemism, of course. And the thing, I I can uh, have sympathy with the disciples on this because sometimes a euphemism is like, uh, I don't get it. We often say if someone dies, oh, they passed. Well, I, I, I kind of get that. I, I've heard that long enough. I don't know what that means. The one that gets me is, did you hear they lost their, their uncle? They lost their child. I thought, well, go find him. <laughs> did he lost in the store? Did he get lost at the zoo? Uh, that one always gets me. Uh, how do you, what is being lost? A uh, euphemism for dying but it is and uh disciples uh, apparently had some uh, concrete uh, juvenile understanding about this but um besides that he says you know that lazarus was sleeping uh and his and per, the purpose that jesus has now is it's, it's time to go time to go back and i have to awaken him uh, they just didn't get it. It was like an Abbott and Costello routine. Oh, man. Um, verse 12. The disciples then said to him, Lord, if he's fallen asleep, he will recover. They said, then his disciples said, Lord, if he sleep, he shall do well. It's like, doesn't he need, he's sick. Doesn't he need his rest? I mean, that's basically right. It, and that's true. If they took that concretely, like I said, if you say, well, we lost the child, it's like, well, go find him, put his, put their face on a milk carton. <laughs> they're like, it, it, they're like, wait, what? He's asleep. Uh, you know, the Jewish leaders wanted to kill us and he wanted to go back. Um, just let him sleep and get better. I can imagine this conversation being <laughs> spoken by disciples. Um, verse 13. Now, Jesus has spoken of his death, but they thought he was speaking of literal sleep. Howbeit, Jesus spake of his death, but they thought that he had spoken of taking of rest in sleep. Now, this makes it clear, this verse right here, that Jesus was indeed using a figure of speech, and his students were stuck in their concrete manner of logic then said his disciples lord if he sleep he shall do well Howbeit jesus spake of his death but they thought that he had spoken of taking rest in sleep now you see christ waited that he might raise lazarus from the dead and the disciples misunderstood now what christ meant by sleep and a great many misunderstand today Death for a believer has a new name. It's been robbed of its terror, and the sting is gone. And resurrection always refers to the body, you see. And it's the body that is put to sleep. It's the body that is raised. And death for a believer is asleep as far as the body is concerned. 
But sleep never refers to the soul of the spirit of man. There's no such thing as soul sleep, therefore. And it's the body that dies. It's the body that is going to be raised from the dead. You see, the word for resurrection is anastasis. means to stand up. And as C.S. Lewis, that brilliant Oxford don, ridiculed the liberal, he said, when a spirit stands up, what position does he get in? That's one for you to work over, by the way. And resurrection means the standing up, and it always refers to the body. Soul never dies. Therefore, the soul never sleeps. Death is a reality, and it's an awful reality. It's of the body. And death means separation, and it means the body of the believer goes into the grave, and that body's put to sleep because it's going to be raised one of these days. But the individual goes to be with Christ, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, the resurrection is a reality. Buddhism talks about the resurrection of the soul. Some of the isms today talk about it. Now, my friend, whether you are saved or lost, you're going into eternity. And a great many today would like to believe death is extinction. As a man said to me here in Pasadena, he said, you know, when you die, you're just like a dog. I said, don't you wish that was true? But I said, if it's not true, and I think that bothers you a little, you're in trouble, aren't you? Well, he said, we'll not talk about that. No, I don't want to talk about that, friends, because it's an awful reality. Verse 14. So Jesus then said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. Lazarus is dead. And that's the awful stark reality that comes to life in life today. It's quite interesting that when Nasser died, you'll recall the great grief of the Arab world. And they said, Nasser is dead. Gamal, Gamal, what will we do now? And so immediately the leadership, they had no hope to offer the people, but they said this, don't grieve for Nasser, he's dead. And believe me, he was. But his ideas and his theories are still alive, and they'll live on. What a hope. That's not much of a hope, is it? But that was the only hope they have. Miss McGee and I were in Wichita, Kansas, in a Bible conference, and staying at a very large and very fine motel there. And when that football team took off on that Friday, and then word came in that afternoon that one of the planes was down, and the first-string football players were in it, and the coach, and they'd all been killed. It was quite interesting. At the motel in the bar room, they had what they call a happy hour. Oh, it was a happy hour, they called it. And when we would come in of an afternoon to get ready for the evening service, while we would hear, oh, my, the noise that was coming out of the happy hour place. You know that evening? Well, I thought we were in a morgue when we walked in the place. And then when we went in the dining room to eat, we could overhear conversation. Tragedy. Yes, it was a tragedy. But no hope, friends. No hope. Lazarus is dead. 
And someday those words will be probably brought to you about a loved one. What about your hope? What about your relationship to God today? Do you have any hope at all? Period. Full stop. He had to be blunt because uh, he <laughs> could tell uh, a euphemism didn't cut it. Uh, he goes on in verse 15, And I'm glad for your sakes that I was not there, so that you may believe, but let us go to him. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent ye may believe. Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, I have to say, wait, Jesus was glad? Well, he wasn't glad over Lazarus or dying, but he was glad uh, that his uh, students, his disciples, uh, would have a chance to ingrain their belief, ingrain their faith, all the more uh, deep, deeper. Um, now, our closing verse is 16, and this really uh, nails uh, this thing for me. Uh, Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow uh, one more time. Therefore, Thomas, who was called Didymus, said to his fellow disciples, Let us also go, so that we may die with him. Then said Thomas, which is called Didymus, unto his fellow disciples, Let us also go, that we may, that we may die with him. So, Thomas, I mean, that's something, isn't it? It's something to say there. Let us also go that we may die with him. But I don't think Thomas fully understood what was going on. I think Thomas was probably afraid for his life. But was willing to go. And that's noble. Let us also go that we may die with him. Oh, Thomas is a gloom caster, isn't he? He thinks that he's going to die also. But thank God he was willing to, I think very much like Simon Peter, when they came right down to it. Simon Peter denied the Lord, and I think Thomas would have too. I don't think his human nature's any better than Simon Peter's, and ours is not any better either. But for the grace of God, we'd deny him. And when you hear today of the failure of a Christian, and the other day, I heard about another preacher walked out of the pulpit and he said, I'm through. I'm through. How tragic it is to see men falling by the wayside, churches falling by the wayside, turning away from the faith. They once stood for something, but no longer. Wow. Therefore, the word therefore, when you see it in the scripture, it connects what just came before. So they just were told plainly, and Jesus does talk plainly to people who deserve it. <laughs> His disciples, not, not religious folks who want to kill him. But he had talked plainly, Lazarus is dead. And so Thomas had connected Jesus saying, look, he's dead. Uh, and he has to go wake their friend. And and because of that, Thomas says this, uh, there was a risk of danger. And it didn't matter at this point now. Was it sleep? Danger. Is it death? Danger. It doesn't matter. They're facing danger. Uh, now, here's the thing 
uh, it shows the disciples had courage. Uh, despite uh, any dangers, despite how futile, he's dead, he's going to go back. Why? Uh, even if it's something trivial, oh, he's sick, why are you going to go back? Why? Uh, the disciples suddenly got it, and they had courage. They had the courage to run towards the gunfire, as, as it were. Uh, they were willing to die for and along with their leader. Uh, now, Thomas is interesting. You know, Thomas Didymus means the twin. It's, Didymus is Greek for twin. Whether he, his twin also followed, but he was a twin. <laughs> uh, but uh, it wasn't Peter. You would expect Peter to say this. It wasn't the sons of thunder, James and John. Uh, it was Thomas. Now, later we know that Thomas will doubt. You know, unless I see the nail prints, I won't believe. Well, he, he was given what he needed to believe, but so let's, let's close that right now. Um, but Thomas, it, it, even if you're cynical and doubtful, when you get a, this word from Jesus, clear and plain, he's dead, we're going back. Uh, or later, you want to see my dental scars? Here you go. Uh, whenever, uh, Jesus can even strengthen and give boldness to that cynical person. Uh, and as the uh, the Indians of the Great Plains here in America might say before they went to a battle, today is a good day to die. Uh, if you're following Jesus, uh, are you at that point? Because <laughs> that's where these disciples were. And you know, even if you're doubtful and maybe not feeling up to it, when Jesus says, look, he's dead, it's a hopeless situation, we're going back, we're facing the big guns, you need to suck it up and go, because it's Jesus. Uh, follow him, even if it means you're going to die with him. Because, of course, dying with Jesus, we'll find out later in this chapter, uh, we, we have the hope of resurrection. So, spoiler alert. That's all I got for today. Oh, yeah, and coming up um, through the month of March, uh, with Easter being on April 17th, I have a short series that I'll be presenting. So, hey, stay tuned for that. Now featured on the Christian Podcast Community, christianpodcastcommunity.org. Welcome to the Doctrine Matters Podcast, where we seek to equip the church to understand and live out its faith. I'm your host, Stephen Dew. I'm the preaching pastor at South Caraway Baptist Church in Jonesboro, Arkansas. We want to thank you for joining us today, and let's get right to today's episode. Welcome to the Abundant Life Podcast, bringing you encouragement and challenging believers to spiritual change and growth by applying biblical principles to everyday life. And now your hosts, Sasso Mendez and Ben Ariano. Welcome everybody to the Abundant Life Podcast. I'm here with my good friend and faithful servant in the faith, Sasso Mendez. Hello, hello. What's going on out there? YouTube and uh, radio waves. <laughs> Land. 
Radio Land. But we really want this content to go out. We want people to know Amen. about Jesus and the truth. And Amen. so, uh, yeah, go ahead and rate us if you can. Give us, give it a rating. Uh, if not, just at least subscribe if you would. If you would subscribe, that way you're aware of when we drop a new episode. Check us out on uh, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, give us a like on on Facebook. And uh, we just want to thank you guys for for your support. And and uh, we'll see you in the next two episode. weeks coming up. It's gonna be good. Gonna be good. Don't miss it. Thanks, guys. We love you guys. We'll see you. Thank you. Bye-bye. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Abundant Life Podcast. We pray you were blessed by today's episode. Please visit us online at AbundantLife.fm. Until next time, may God bless you. And there we have it. That's our show for today. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, I've got a lot to say, so I'll just sign off and say see you next week. Thanks for listening. And here is Anthony Russo to tell you how to find more about us. Visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows. Leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844. Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at HPNCast, capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com May God richly bless you. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.